When you really stop to think about it, there are just so many reasons to be afraid. Ghosts, demons, ghouls, golems, Dainese, Rakkush, Kakkush, Shakchudni, Jen. The list goes on and on. In this episode, we'll give you one more reason to be afraid to go to sleep tonight. So put on your headphones and settle in as we take you on a journey into the paranormal. Where there's only one question that matters. Are we scared yet? The year it was decided that my brother was old enough to be married, in 1923, I was a teenager. As the second son, I tended to spend most of my time writing poetry and idly observing the world around me, while my brother wore the mantle of learning to manage the household and the family businesses. My father was the village chairman, and so my brother couldn't marry just any girl. Her family would need to have the same social standing as ours. And so word was sent out to find a suitable bride for my brother. Matchmakers flocked with proposals from near and far, but none pleased my mother. Only the most beautiful bride would do for her firstborn son. After some time, word came that there was a potential match in a village located down the old forest road. It was said that she not only had the looks, but was also extremely talented. She knew how to cook and how to make the most gorgeous blankets. A party was sent and they returned confirming that the maiden was truly stunning and her family ready for her to meet a husband. And so after much preparation, we set out to meet this bride. It took almost half a day to reach the village in our cow carriages and by the time we arrived, it was late in the evening. We were welcomed with sweets and food There was music, and the young village girls danced in a style I'd never seen. After meeting the village elders and exchanging gifts, we finally got to meet her. The descriptions did her no justice. She was tall, graceful, with hair that was as dark as it was thick. As soon as she stepped out of the front door, my brother could not keep his eyes off of her. Seeing this, my parents were pleased. It was clear by the way she stared right back at him that his attraction was mutually returned. Without any delay, my parents and hers agreed that they should marry the following morning. The wedding ceremony commenced with the sunrise and the festivities lasted until late in the afternoon. It was decided hastily on the spot that we should return with her to our village along with her family so that we could reciprocate by hosting an equally lavish celebration the following day. 
So as the sun was arcing toward the horizon, we began the journey home with my brand new sister-in-law and her family. After traveling for a few hours, a thick layer of clouds obscured the moon and the dimming evening sky and a heavy blanket of fog rolled in, further darkening the road that led to our village. Father sent scouts ahead to see if there was anywhere to hunker down while the mists passed, and they returned quickly, shouting that a mondir, a temple, right up the road, had a large enough clearing for our entire party. He was visibly relieved when we approached the clearing, and it was decided that we would wait in place until the fog and clouds receded to continue. Father told me it would have been dangerous to walk the animals with such limited visibility when I challenged the wisdom of waiting in this unsettling place. Shortly after we stopped, a fire was lit, and the servants from both our villages began to play music together, laughing as they shared new arrangements of traditional songs. That, at least, helped to ease the tension that had begun to wind itself up between my shoulder blades. Most in the party took the chance to rest and use the facilities out behind the temple. I walked around, curious, and studying our surroundings. It was as old a mondir as I'd ever seen. Directly over the outhouse behind the structure was a massive banyan tree that seemed to be swallowing up part of the building, and I had this feeling like it was watching me, hoping I'd sit in the outhouse long enough to give the thing a chance to swallow me up too. The thought made my hair stand on end. I saw my sister-in-law and mother talking closely from across the fire when I approached it to hear the music a little better. Sister seemed to be sad, and my mother sent her off to the outhouse to clean herself up, and after she returned, she just walked right straight to the edge of the fire, reached out her hands, shivered, and stared into the flames with a blank expression. When at last the clouds began to thin and the fog rolled away, it was decided that we would continue our journey home. We traveled the rest of the night and got home at the crack of dawn. Despite the fatigue of our unexpectedly extended journey, everyone cleaned up quickly and as if they hadn't just been traveling all night, enthusiastically dove into another day of celebrations. There was eating, drinking, music, and dancing that continued until well after the sun had crested the horizon. The next morning, our entire village came to meet the new bride and to have a cup of tea made by her. My sister-in-law set herself to work in our outdoor wood fire kitchen and some time later, my mother asked me to go check on her and see if she needed any help. So I went to go see how she was doing and 
as I was about to enter the kitchen, I saw her sitting in front of the stove. She was so close to the fire that I was about to warn her to step back when I saw that her leg was in the burning stove as if it was just another log. She didn't even seem to notice, and neither her skin nor her clothing was burning, even though I could clearly see that it was fully engulfed in flames. I stopped in my tracks, turned around, and ran right back to mother, and I almost fell as I burst through the doorway. She asked what happened and said it looked like I'd seen a ghost. I sputtered incredulously, but before I could catch my breath and begin to speak coherently, sister-in-law entered with the tea. I don't know how she got there so fast. I'd been running at full speed, and I was one of the fastest runners in our village, and I wasn't carrying a pot of hot tea. She gave me a smile that made goosebumps rise across my back and both of my arms. Later that afternoon, while my sister-in-law was applying oil to my mother's hair on our front porch as they talked, mother asked to have her hair braided, which required combing. The comb was sitting on the other side of the porch, about three meters away from where the two were sitting, and sister reached out for the comb, and my mother screamed. That's when I saw it. As she stretched out her arm, it extended much further than was natural, and she picked up the faraway comb with ease. All the servants came running as mother yelled and screamed, backing away from the porch. She pointed at sister-in-law and named her Shakchini. She denounced the woman as a witch that lurks in the jungle and captures newly married women to relive her days as a young wife. Sister-in-law, or should I say the thing that was disguised as sister-in-law, cowered against the house. She looked like a cornered animal, and as the servants approached her carefully from all sides, she fought. It took ten of the village's strongest men to subdue her. The servants held on to her, lashing her limbs tight until the struggle was fought out of her. At that point, a Baba was called. The religious figure came and initiated a mantra. He burned sage as he chanted one prayer after another. With each new prayer, the creature resembled my sister-in-law just a little less. She screamed in agony. She shouted through a stream of tears that all she wanted was to be a woman again, to be a wife, to have a normal life. Please, she begged, please. Her anguish, to me, it was excruciating. But the Baba was unaffected by her pleas. Emotionless, he kept reciting his mantras, interrupting the flow only to ask the entity who she was, where she came from, and where was sister-in-law. The creature screamed and screamed, but would not give an answer. After hours of this, 
a Baba from a nearby village arrived to help, and he proclaimed that the only way to reverse what this witch had done was to find the person that was mimicking and bring them face to face. And so a search party was gathered to retrace our steps from the journey home and find the true bride. I suggested we search the Mandir. Brother, who brooked no nonsense at any time and who was especially resolute in this hour, looked to me with a hard stare for a long moment before giving a tight nod of assent. It seemed that I wasn't the only one who'd gotten a strange vibe from that place after all. Two hours of hard riding later, we reached the Mundir. We searched the grounds extensively, but there was no trace of her. Just as we were about to give up and split into two parties, one to search the road back to our village, another to search in the opposite direction, I felt the hair rise up on the back of my neck again. I shuddered and turned around just in time to see something colorful fluttering in the crook of the banyan tree. I didn't believe my eyes at first, but sure enough, I recognized the lace of my sister-in-law's veil, and I was shocked to see it there, because there was no way she could have climbed several meters to reach that spot in the tree in the dark. I showed my brother and he seemed to melt from relief before ordering the servants to build a rope ladder that we could use to climb and lower her safely to the ground. We rode back without delay and it wasn't until we reached the edge of the village that my sister-in-law began to stir. With the arrival of the girl, the Shakchini screamed an agonizing cry before seeming to implode right there on the spot. It was horrible to watch. But within seconds, it was as if she had just vanished. Like she was never even there at all. There was a thunderous crack as the thick branch of a tamarind tree at the edge of the village snapped off. It fell as if to block the path leading back toward the Mandir. With a deep breath and a sigh, the Babas confirmed that the Shakchini was gone for good and that sister-in-law was indeed safe from the witch's curse. My brother and she lived a long, happy married life with their three children, and I'm happy for them. But I wonder, what happened to the Shakchini? Every time I eat a tamarind, I remember her and I, I feel sad, thinking about how all she wanted was a family of her own. And I wonder if she'll ever get it. Hey folks, thanks for listening to our third episode. We hope you got the chills. This show is the brainchild of my wife Shanima, and it's sure a fun way for me to work on my voice acting skills. So if you like what you're hearing, let us know. 
You can find us on Instagram. And of course, we would appreciate it if you would take a moment to like and subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us wherever you get your podcasts, etc., etc. But, you know, whatever you do, do yourself a favor and stay scared.